Tavis Smiley, and I'm delighted to have you tuned in today to our program. Uh, it's going to be a great three hours. We've done one hour already. That was a great dialogue with Dr. Freddie Haynes. And now, in this hour, two conversations. On the B side of this hour, we'll talk about uh, some trending political topics with SiriusXM host, Sure, Michael Singleton, but I'm pleased now to have a dialogue about the potential negative impacts of the proposed FDA ban on menthol cigarettes. Sonia Pruitt is the founder of the Black Police Experience and former chair of the National Black Police Association. And she has some grave concerns about the unintended consequences of this effort by the Biden administration to ostensibly save the lives of black smokers. Sonia Pruitt, good to have you back on Tavis Smiley. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? And thank you for having me. It's good to have you back. If I complained, I'd be an ingrate. I am doing well and always uh, honored to be in in, in dialogue with you. So I I saw this story, and that's why I use that word ostensibly. When you see a story like this coming out of the Biden administration, they want to do something about menthol cigarettes, your your first inclination is to raise raise your arms up and say yes, because we know that cigarettes kill. We know that black people are being targeted. Uh, by this industry to 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 to, in, to inhale <laughs> to imbibe uh, to to smoke these uh, these menthol cigarettes. So my my first reaction was to celebrate that the Biden administration, as I said a moment ago, is doing something to save the lives of black smokers. And then the more I got into it, and I started reading your comments about it, I said I got I got to get Sonia Prude on this program to give me a better understanding of why she is so concerned about this and, and, and what these issues are. So let me just start at the beginning uh, and get your read on what the Biden administration is doing, first of all, with this proposed FDA ban on menthol cigarettes. So tell me how you read what they're doing, and then we'll talk about why you're so concerned about what they're doing. Absolutely. So, so that the audience can understand, this effort has been going on way uh, before the Biden administration. It started sort of like it around 2009 mm-hmm. when the FDA got the approval to regulate tobacco products. And so now here we are, how many years, almost 15 years later, mm-hmm. and not only were they banning flavored uh, uh, products, but also wanting to add menthol to that list of uh, tobacco products that are being banned because they said, well, we need to help the black community. You know, anytime I hear there's going to be a ban of anything in the black community, I start getting nervous. Mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I started doing my own research maybe about four or five years ago, and I realized, you know, this is just like any other war on our community. The war on drugs didn't work, right? Mm -hmm. And so now we're going to legalize marijuana, but we're going to ban menthol cigarettes, which black and brown people uh, like to smoke the most. And so my thought is, why is that? So now you're, you're looking out for our welfare. I was skeptical, mm-hmm. and I still am. Mm. Um, I hadn't thought about that particular frame. Let's just take it one step at a time, one piece at a time. That's an interesting frame right there, okay. that we will legalize marijuana, but we're going to ban menthol cigarettes. Just think about that for a second, that we're going to legalize marijuana, but ban these cigarettes. That's one interesting frame. We could spend hours talking just about that. But to your but to your point, though, that the more you got into it, the more skeptical you got. Tell me about your skepticism. Well, my first skepticism is that, uh, like I said, any time that there's uh, the word ban associated with the black community, we need to start looking at, well, how is this really going to affect us? Mm-hmm. I have a colleague. His name is uh, Elliot Boyce. He used to be New York State Police. Mm-hmm. And Elliot likes to say whenever there's a ban, there's going to be contraband. 
And when there's contraband, there's going to be something illegal involved. And when it's illegal, then what happens? Mm. The police become involved. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So just let's just, just as an example, we're going to ban menthol cigarettes. What that might lead to, and will probably lead to, is an illegal market. We've got some states that have banned menthol and flavored tobacco products, and they're having some issues right now mm-hmm. because cartels, gangs, organized crimes see a way of making more money. Oh, wow, we can make these illegal products, and we can sell these to the communities that want them most, the black and brown communities. Mm. And so now the police have another job to do. They, the FDA says, well, you know, we're not looking for the people who smoke, but the police are looking for illegal products. Mm-hmm. And if they see you smoking, you're black. They don't have your best interest at heart. This is like, you know, a, a, a hypothetical situation. Here they come asking you where you got your cigarettes from. Or they stop a car full of uh, cartons of cigarettes, and they want to know where you got your cigarettes from. So now we have this, uh, this interaction between the black community and the police. Mm. And we know how that goes. We have a Eric Garner as an example of that. We have a young black people in Ocean City being uh, brutalized and abused by the police for vaping on the, the boardwalk. Such a benign thing, right? Mm-hmm. We have this happening in our communities in so many ways, this disparate impact, or I'm sorry, interaction. And so I feel, and many of my colleagues do also, that if we make menthol products illegal, menthol cigarette products, that black people are going to do one of two things. They're going to either go and and smoke something else that's Mm -hmm. not menthol, Mm -hmm. or more likely they're going to find the cheaper alternative, which they will find in an illegal market. Yeah, I see where we're headed now. Um, I'm glad you laid the, the foundation. Uh, there's a lot to interrogate about what you've already said. We'll do that when we come forward. But I, I hear your friend Elliot. I hear the point that he's making that whenever something gets banned, you end up with contraband. And when you end up with contraband, uh, somebody's going to figure out a, a, a way to, to provide that product illegally. And then uh, you end up having to tussle uh, with the police. And tussle is the kind word. Eric Garner ended up dead over some cigarettes. And so I hear the point, uh, the points that Sonia Prude is making. Again, uh, we'll unpack a bit more about this when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. What's your quarrel with the world? You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Sounds different. different. This is Tavis Smiley. Smiley. Uh, it is Tavis Smiley, and Tavis Smiley is in conversation right now with Sonia Pruitt, uh, the founder of the Black Police Experience and former chair of the National Black Police Association. We are talking, in case you've just tuned in, uh, about the unintended consequences that we may have to wrestle with, courtesy of this effort by the Biden administration to um, uh, ban uh, menthol cigarettes. Um, but banning, it means that there's going to be some contraband, and here uh, we now uh, discuss another area that brings the police into the lives of uh, black folk. Uh, and we all know the story, as Sonia said earlier, of Eric Garner and how he ended up dead, uh, sadly, over some cigarettes. Uh, and so we already have evidence um, that, you know, when police start asking questions about where these cigarettes came from and how you got them and, 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 and et cetera, et cetera, um, the worst can happen, sadly. And so um, Sonia Pruitt and others, uh, other black folk who are in this or have been certainly in this uh, uh, policing world are concerned, uh, again, about uh, some unintended consequences of this ban that on its surface 
is a good thing. I mean, you know, if, if we know that that cigarettes kill uh, and uh, people get addicted to this stuff, then maybe it's not the worst thing um, to ban something that would save the lives of black people. But the ultimate question is whether or not you're really saving lives or putting more black folk in harm's way because they now have run-ins with cops about where they got the cigarettes that they are smoking. And so I hear the point uh, that, that Sonia Prude is making now. I guess the, I guess the, the first question I want to ask now, Sonia, um, is, and I'm not naive in asking this, why it is that we even have cops involved in policing what people are smoking. I've had so many conversations, as you well know, this won't surprise you, so many conversations over the course of my career uh, about the interactions that cops have with black people. And certainly, I've had any number of conversations in the era of Black Lives Matter. We just celebrated the 10th anniversary of Black Lives Matter, and they have been more aggressive than anybody, uh, arguing that there are certain roles that police play that they ought not to play. Uh, there, there'd be a lot more black folks still living today if they didn't have encounters with cops about stuff that cops shouldn't have been involved with in the first place. But there's so, and, and so, so to that point, there's something that troubles me about the fact that cops could be asking you about where you got a cigarette. And in a worst-case scenario like mm-hmm. Eric Garner, you end up dead. But why do we have cops even in those spaces? What a great question. But like I said before, I feel like uh, if we're going to get rid of, uh, if we're going to legalize, let me rephrase that, legalize marijuana, and marijuana is the gateway into so many things, incarceration, uh, the first arrest, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, a search of your car or your home or your person. That's what marijuana has, has, has been to the black community from the policing standpoint. So if you're going to legalize that, well, what are we going to replace it with? Now, I might be, you know, reaching for straws or there might be a conspiracy theory in my head, but that's how I feel. Okay. Mm -hmm. so like I said before, the FDA says that this is going to be a regulatory issue and that the police will not be involved in enforcing it. Police are always, (laughs) let me reiterate that, always looking for an entry into a search or other criminal activity. It's just like pretextual stop. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to stop you for this taillight or for, for not stopping for this stop sign, but really I want to get into your car. Mm. There is going to be nothing that stops police officers from using cigarettes in the same manner. And not only that, when we're talking about an illegal market, I'm gonna, I'm, I've been trying to get away from saying black market Mm -hmm. yeah i hear you (laughs) but when you have an illegal market uh for cigarettes and you've got cartels you've got drugs you've drugs you've got guns you've got human trafficking there's gonna be nothing that stops especially federal police from asking questions about where people got cigarettes even if it's a carton that they got from across the border okay Mm mm-hmm or from an Indian, I'm sorry, an indigenous people's reservation. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that stops police from asking those questions. Mm. Um, I, I, let, me, let me just ask a question about policing. You, you, you did this for a lot of years before you retired, obviously. Um, and again, not naive in asking this, but, but, but why is it, I mean, this is my word, not yours, why is it that cops are so nosy? Why is it they, that they, they feel this need? What is this pull, this draw to want to get inside our vehicle? What's that about? Well, I think it's a number of things. Mm-hmm. I think it's partly because they police have been given such expansive power. Mm-hmm. 
and that power can get away from you. It becomes so big, it becomes bigger than you. And I have this power. It's just like when police say uh, they wouldn't comply or they wouldn't listen to me. Well, you know, sometimes we don't have to listen to you, mm-hmm. police. But the power, the, the power inequity, we have structural and institutional racism in policing. So people who are the police, who are law enforcement, federal, local, no matter who it is, they feel empowered. And if you can't control that power, then there's nothing. Someone has said, and, and I've heard it many times in my training, you can ask people whatever you want, but why would I, right? No one ever discusses with police officers or cadets or, or recruits in the police academy. Why would you ask that person? Don't you feel like they'll be put upon? Don't you feel like sometimes it might be crossing the line to ask these questions? We don't have those conversations in the police academy. Mm-hmm. What you are told is you have a right for the, to have this information. It's your job to police these people. And these people tend to be black and, and brown people more, more than anyone else. And if I sound really excited, it's because I'm passionate about this. We need to be about the business of protecting our communities that are vulnerable. Yeah, I um, I can't I can't imagine um, that police and maybe I'm misreading this could care that much about where you got a <laughs> cigarette. Am I am, am I am I just stuck on stupid in that regard? I mean, why why would no. of, of all the things you could ask me? I mean, do you really care where I got my menthol cigarette? No. Yeah. It's about the power. And you know what else it's about? It's also about what else can I find? Yeah. You might have a gun in this car. You might have a body in the trunk. Whatever yeah. they made up in their minds. That's just the entryway. Yeah. They're not caring that you're smoking and that you could be, you know, uh, stepping into lung cancer or whatever your, you know, the ill may be. Sure. They want to know what else they can find. And if they are nefarious, if they are a nefarious type, they want to know what else they can get you on. So maybe they can't arrest you for that cigarette, but maybe they can find something else. Yeah. You know, I, I, I know I know what the FDA stands for, Federal Drug Administration. I get all of that. Uh, I know what they do uh, ostensibly in their work every day. I get all of that. And yet I'm, I'm trying to understand whether or not the FDA and the Biden administration uh, writ large ever consider these unintended consequences when they do something that on its surface may be done for the right reason, but it's going to cause all hell to break loose. I mean, my, my point is, it just seems to me that nobody talked to the FDA, nobody uh, talked to the Biden administration about what might happen if they push this through. Again, I understand their reasons for doing it, but if, to your point, you know, the cigarette uh, the illegal cigarette takes the place of the illegal joint, and that gives them the pretext to stop you, then we're right back where we started. And it just, again, seems mm-hmm. to me that nobody had any conversation with the Biden administration or with the FDA about what might happen if you ban cigarettes that tend to be uh, used or smoked by black and brown people and this, you know, this increase in police harassing young black and brown people about what they're smoking and where they got it. That conversation seems not to have happened. Does that make sense to you? That makes great sense, which is why we're out here pounding the pavement and having these discussions with people like yourself so that the community can have some education and know what's going on. Let me just say about the FDA. The FDA has done their own study Mm -hmm. that indicate, for instance, that menthol in cigarettes is not not 
associated with an increase in disease risk to any user, mm. right? We know that nicotine is the addictive substance in cigarettes. It's not menthol. Mm-hmm. And then there have been sub- subsequent studies, and there's just not enough evidence to support that menthol in cigarettes causes dependence. So why are we focusing on menthol and then applying it to the black community, right? Mm-hmm. They have this information. So what we're asking for is to be listened to. As former law enforcement, there's a whole cadre of us who are speaking on this subject. Mm-hmm. We would like for there to be studies. And we have HBCUs who could do research, uh, like a Howard University, about how this impacts our community um, from a medical standpoint and from a uh, mental and uh, societal standpoint, if you will. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we would like for the for grassroots community, uh, I'm sorry, community organizations, let me put it that way, or people who are just a part of the community to be able to weigh in on this. And now the FDA is having listening sessions, uh, to, I think, today and tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking on one of those, but that's just not enough. We've been talking about this now for years, mm-hmm. and we're wondering who are they listening to if they are not listening to the people who are going to be directly affected? So, so to your point, um, if we know that it is the nicotine that is the addictive part of the cigarette, not the menthol, or certainly there's not enough evidence to suggest that menthol is, is addictive at this point. If, if we know that, then why do we think the Biden administration, why do we think the FDA is pushing this through? What, what's, it, what's that about? Uh, well, you know, that's one of the questions that we would love to have answered. It's mm-hmm. all—it's almost like we're just stuck on, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to save people. If you really want to save people, and I am not a smoker. I have uh, people in my family who smoke who mm-hmm. I love, and I wish they would not. But if you want to save people, then perhaps you could try banning all cigarettes. But we also know that prohibition does not work. Mm-hmm. So where is the education and cessation support? Where Where is the money for that? Uh, where are the efforts in that area, in the black community in particular, since you're saying that you're trying to save black people? What about approving and making accessible harm reduction products? What about there are already regulations on the book to, to, to prevent, for instance, youth from buying tobacco products? Why not strengthen and bolster those regulations? But instead, you're focusing on banning. And again, we know that prohibition from the 1920s didn't work with alcohol. Why do you think it's going to work with cigarettes? Yeah. Um, let, me, let, me, let me ask, and there may not be an answer to this. Let me ask anyway. I, I, I appreciate the fact, I respect the fact that uh, black law enforcement um, are speaking out about this issue uh, and making the connection between the banning of these menthol cigarettes and what we know is going to happen. Uh, and by no, I mean we know there's going to be increased police activity. Uh, we know there's going to be well, they can use you know this ban as 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 you know uh, uh, as pretext for a stop to look and search for something else. Yeah, I, I think the evidence is pretty clear that that's going to happen somewhere down the road. It happened to Eric Garner, and we know it's going to happen when they ban uh, these cigarettes to the extent they do that, and it appears that they are purport, that they're poised to do just that. So I'm glad to see that law enforcement, black law enforcement, um, and former law enforcement are speaking out about this 
coaches because they can see what's about to happen here. This ain't this ain't y'all's first rodeo, right? Y'all can see what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. My question is, uh, to the extent that you know, what's the black medical community saying about this? Um, have they have they uh, been supportive? Are they are they in lockstep with 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 black law enforcement? You know, that's an interesting, and I love that question. So I was just on a webinar earlier listening in where some uh, officials from the American Medical Association, black doctors, mm-hmm. also weighed in on this. Okay. And they see the same thing that we do, you know, from a criminal standpoint, but they also see it from a health policy standpoint and that it's, in, it's not effective policy and it's definitely not effective health policy. Mm-hmm. This is not how you get people to stop smoking by criminalizing it or even making it an administrative violation uh, to, 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 to stop using a certain type of cigarette. They were not in support of that. Yeah. And not only are doctors weighing in, but people like Trayvon Martin's mother, Sabrina Fulton, and Gwen Carr, who was Eric Garner's uh, mom, and, and Ben Shavers, Reverend Al Sharpton. Mm-hmm. We've got organizations like the Drug Policy Alliance, the ACLU. People are weighing in on this, but the problem is, are we being heard? And yeah. I don't think so. Or maybe they're listening, but they don't want to hear. But it's going to be an issue, and it's going to be very much to me like the 1994 crime bill where, where decades later, yeah. now everybody's apologizing. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. don't want that to happen when we can prevent it now. Do you think, do you think finally that the Biden administration was well-intentioned but misguided? I mean, how, how, did they, how did they miss the mark on this? Well, again, this started in 2009, and yeah. so the mark has been missed for years now, and I, I don't know why people are. It, it's beyond me why how you can have all of this evidence in your face, right? But either ignore it or decide that you know I, we're just gonna you know stay the course. Yeah. Well, you you, you put your finger on it. Um, we all have uh, had. Uh, I, I've had certainly. I I have had more conversations I can count about that 994, 1994 crime bill and all the mistakes that were made there. <laughs> That people, including Bill Clinton and Hillary, apologized for years later. And I hear your point that we could be making the same mistake again. So you ban these menthol cigarettes and it leads to, uh, you know, increased tension between cops and, and black and brown kids smoking these cigarettes um, uh, on this underground uh, illegal market. And then somebody starts saying that was a bad idea five, ten years ago. Um, it's the same thing I've seen in my career with you know zero tolerance in schools. Well, we did it after Columbine to stop kids from bringing weapons to school, but zero tolerance is stupid because kids make mistakes. So zero tolerance just doesn't work. And so you end up rethinking these things years later. I digress for now, but Sonia Pruitt, I'm glad you're on the case as you always are. Uh, and uh, I'm glad you're raising your voice. And I hope that uh, that the FDA and the Biden administration see the light before it's too late on this. Sonia Pruitt, former chairwoman of the National Black Police Association, retired police captain and founder of the Black Police Experience. Thank you for bringing this to our attention, Sonia. I appreciate you for it. Thank you. All the best to you.